Let's get out our Bibles tonight. If you brought a Bible, uh, turn to that place it's been falling open to lately. That would be Ephesians chapter 2. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray for a moment. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for your word tonight. We believe it's life to those who find it, health to all of our flesh. We thank you for wisdom from above now, wisdom to see, to know, to recognize all that you're saying, all that you're doing in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, give us revelation of truth today that we might walk free from everything that would hinder and bind. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, everybody, Ephesians 2, verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now go to Colossians chapter 2 with me as well. Colossians 2. Let's read the, ver- the, the sixth verse here. It, uh, it says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord... So walk in Him. And so the way that we're saved is the same way that we're supposed to walk from day to day. That simply is this. I believe in God's power. I believe in His saving ability. I believe in His healing virtue toward me. I believe that He hears me. I believe that He answers my prayer. I believe that He moves in my life. I believe that He provides all my need. I believe that He orders and directs my steps. I believe that He fills my mouth with words. You know what I'm saying here? You could go on and on. That's the Christian life. Not, I do, I do, I do. I believe that He did. And I believe that He does, that He's at work in my life every day. I'm not trying to become a better person no more than I tried to save myself when I came to God. I found out I was a sinner, and I'm trying to be a better person. All that is is religion. All that is is bondage, and it never produces a changed life. But when a person says, yes, I need help, I need forgiven, I need saved, I need healed, I need helped. I believe that Jesus did it all for me when he came busting out of the grave on my behalf. And my faith in the finished work of Christ causes that to be uh, effectual in my life today. And I'm lifted, I'm helped, I'm saved, I'm healed, I'm restored, I'm renewed, I'm happy and glad, prosperous, I have victory every day because I I believe that Jesus is those things in me. Amen. Okay. And and so that's what we're talking about here. The rules of grace. How does this whole grace thing work? How does this relationship with God works? He did it. I accept it. He moves toward me. I believe that he moves toward me. And then his moving is welcomed. It's accepted. It becomes a physical reality and manifestation in my life. Praise God. Man, this is good already. I already even got started. Thank you, Lord. Let's go over to Romans 7 today. Uh, well, we've been talking about these things for a few weeks, covering some of these issues. And, uh, and thank God that the Lord is helping us to have minds that are renewed to this. So we think this way without effort, without, without pushing real hard. It becomes a normal way of life. That God's grace is operative in us, not only in salvation, but in everything we do every single day. It's the way He wants us to live. Come on now, God doesn't want you and me. He doesn't want His people to just struggle through life. 
to where we just it's just a drudgery it's just hard and and and, and we j- just can't wait to get to heaven we're just constantly praying lord get here quick before my credit card bill comes or or, or or get here quick before I have to deal with this another day. No, 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 no. We're all looking forward to the Lord coming. We're looking forward to heaven and all that. Nothing's ever going to take that away. But uh, it, it shouldn't be because our, we're so miserable here. Amen. I believe the goal is get rid of the misery, get the joy of the Lord, get the victory here. And then when it's time to go, I'm good to go. I'm going with a smile on my face. Amen. Say, well, what if sickness takes you out? Get healed first and then die. Isn't it better to die without sickness? I know that's a new concept to some, but that's the reality hmm, of the way things can be. I can give you examples of that, uh, not personal ones, but you know, <laughs> uh, but other people I know. But we'll we'll stay away from that for now. Let's go into into Romans seven here. Uh, you might recall last week we spent some time in in chapter six, but verse seven says, "Or do you not know, brethren? For I speak to those who know the law." Okay, and this is what we're separating here: law, think Ten Commandments, and more. All right. Uh, speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. You see what it's talking about here. If she's married to one man, he said, she can't marry somebody else. They'll call her an adulterer. That would be wrong. But if he dies, she can go and marry anybody she wants. Okay? Do you know that he's actually not teaching on marriage here? He's not teaching on divorce. He's talking to people who know the law, and they know that under the law, this is how it works. This is how the system goes. And he, he's making a comparison. Look at verse 4. He, has, he says, Therefore, my brethren, you, have, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another. To him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. And so just like that situation with someone under the law who was married, uh, a woman couldn't go out and marry someone else. She'd be called an adulterer. What had to happen first? He had to die before she could marry another. Likewise, do you see the comparison here? is we cannot be married to the law. We cannot be connected to... You see, remember what the law comes, what the law does is the law produces a knowledge of sin. When we're given the standard of God's holiness and perfection, it shows us that we fall short of that. And we need a Savior. Okay? But since we've come to the Savior, we no longer need a law. We have a living relationship with God. But it is 
through the knowledge of the law that sin takes its place. In other words, this uh, it produces or makes known to a human being the sin nature when they find out that they have broken the law of God. But you cannot have a sin nature. In other words, be married to that and then also be married to Jesus. Something has to die. Otherwise, that's called bigotry. If you're married and then you get ma- and then you marry another, you can't do that. That's even against the law in our country, right? Even in Utah, it's against the law, <laughs> right? But it was against their law, and basically said you can't be married to both. And when it comes to our relationship with God today, I can't be married to a sin nature and then also be married to Jesus, be married to Christ or be alive unto God. Uh, uh, Through Christ now, we are dead to the law. We basically saying we have a new husband. The new husband is Jesus. And uh, uh, if we're married to both, and then again, like some teach, and this is what we got to get free of, because this is a this is a, a bad teaching that's in different parts of the body of Christ. But if we're married to both, we're bigots. Okay, that's wrong. He said it's just like the Old Testament. You can't do that. One of them has to die first, and if one dies, you're, you're good to go. But too many times nowadays, people are trying to be married to both. I'm holding on to sin nature, and yet I'm also trying to hold on to the nature of Christ in me. Trying to hold on to that new creation reality. All right. How many understand that we are, this is, uh, this is foundational that we should all understand. We are three-part beings. Without going through all the scriptures, you know, 1 Corinthians 5, 23 and so forth. Uh, the Bible teaches us that we are spirit, soul, and body. Right? You are spirit, soul and body three parts of your being we, uh, we 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 know obviously the physical part we know the soul uh, speaks of the mind the will and the emotions contrary to the opinions of some when we talk about someone's soul going to heaven really they don't really know what a soul is okay the spirit is the is the eternal part of us the spirit is the part of us that is in connection with god the spirit is the part of us that when we receive jesus is changed or born again, all right? You're born again, your body doesn't change, your thinking doesn't for the most part change other than a change of mind that you had towards the things of God, but for the most part you still think the same way, you've got the same mentality and mind, but the spirit of man, the spirit of mankind is the part of us that instantly when receiving Jesus becomes alive, all right? That's the, that's the part of you that the scripture says old things have passed away and all things have become new what part spiritually i have been completely made brand new and so uh the soul now is this area of our lives that has to be renewed as the scripture said but what do we mean renewed i have to start thinking different after i get saved if i don't start thinking different i will continue as if I'm married to the law, as if I'm still embracing a sin nature. If I don't think different, I'll have a real difficult time living different. 
I can never perpetually and continually live contrary to the way that I see myself. If you see yourself a certain way, you'll always go back to that. All right. You may want to change. You may try hard. You may get some program, get some, you know, get some support network, and you may do some things for a little while. You may be able to alter some certain certain act behaviors uh, in your life, but you'll snap right back. You'll only go so far before you know it. You'll be back in that same um, framework for your life until there's a different vision, until there's a renewed outlook and really an accurate picture of where you are today likewise uh, our spirits have been changed our souls must be tied now must be connected to the new husband all right and and of course our body you know again our body is just the thing that keeps us here on planet earth you get rid of your body you leave (laughs) you're not allowed do you know that people aren't allowed to stay on earth without a body despite what the movies say. There, nobody is seeing dead people. Just a, something we should, we should remember. You hear a lot of the stories and psychics and these different people like they're supposedly hearing from an, a dead uncle or a child or something. and That's not true. Z, say, sometimes they know stuff. It's called Demons. All right, we should be knowledgeable of what's really happening in the spirit realm. Actually, they're called familiar spirits. It's just spirits that are familiar with that person's life. And they can communicate thoughts and so forth to people that are looking for them. Amen. I wouldn't plan on saying that, but uh, you have to have a body to stay here. As soon as, you, as, soon as your body, as soon as you come out of your body, uh, you go. One way or the other, every person does. Basically, you go to where your dad is. You go home. (laughs) Father's house. All right? That's why you want your father to be God. And Jesus said, no one comes to the father except by me. So you accept Jesus, God becomes your dad, and then you go to be with him. Anyway, let me get back to this. Uh, We're talking about our mind must be tied to the to this new relationship, I've got to think in line with the new relationship, um, being married to Christ, and this is contrary to the law. It's the opposite of the law, opposite of the sin nature. It's kind of like if there, if a if a woman, let's say she's married to an abusive husband, where he just really treats her wrong and does her wrong, and then he gets hit by a Mack truck, and. Uh, and and uh, and then uh, and then so what 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 what, ha- what happens with her and then, then she marries somebody else, all right. Now this new husband she has, uh, he could be the most kind and gentle husband. He could be uh, very considerate and loving of her and treating her with honor and respect. But if she doesn't change the way she thinks about a husband. She'll act like the abused wife still. She'll still carry the mentality, and it will control how she relates to this good husband. She'll treat him like he's a bad husband, even though he's not. All right? Likewise, this happens in our spiritual life. If our minds aren't renewed to the new husband, 
then we'll continually relate to God as if there's a law and a sin nature that, that exists in us. I've got to be dead to that. Okay, That must leave every part of my mentality. I'm now married to someone new who's alive, and the way he treats me is nice. <laughs> Amen. Now, guys, stay with the illustration. I know it's kind of funky, but... <laughs> it's spiritual. <laughs> okay? And so, listen, if a person has a sin nature, they're stuck. In this regard, if you have a sin nature, how do you stop sinning? It's who you are. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, you know, we've got this little dog, and. Little dog, not a man dog, <laughs> especially now. <laughs> but we were, well, we were told actually by one of our church members who has a lot of uh, knowledge about animals that um, unless our little man dog uh, gets repaired, <laughs> as we say, fixed. Uh, that that dog, if, you know, the appropriate female dog uh, is in heat, that we were told basically no matter how much that dog loves you and is devoted to the family, if the right dog comes around, uh, that dog doesn't care about you at all anymore. <laughs> that basically that smell, that, that drive will override and overpower him so much that if he, he'll run away without a second thought. And, and they find dogs run away, running away all the time because of that. And uh, side note, men, we're not supposed to be that way. <laughs> I know that uh, <laughs> some men live that way too and uh, <laughs> control it, man. <laughs> or get fixed. <laughs> What? Doesn't work the same way? I don't know. Uh, but when it comes to... I don't even know what I'm talking about now. I really don't know how I got to the dog. I'm just... I went too far with it and I can't get back. Here's what I was talking about. I remember now. Uh, if a person has a sin nature, they're stuck. That's who they are. They're always going to gravitate towards that. No matter how much they try to get away from that, they will temporarily, but they'll always snap back because that's who they are. You know, you try to clean up the pig and, uh, you know, and uh, make them all shiny and new, keep them in the house, and, uh, you know, have your nice pet pig. But if you let him out and it's a hot day or something, he's going to go find some mud, Right? He's going to go back to, uh, and wallow around in the mud. Well, just, just because who he is, right? <laughs> and uh, we got to understand the nature of things. You know, you put you can put a mule in a in in the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> get the get the jockey on him there and get him all spiffied up and uh, get him ready. But how many know <laughs> that race begins? <laughs> he's not going to look right. Something's 
<laughs> he's going to be really slow. Why? That's just who he is. What, what, ha- what needs to happen? If human beings are by nature sinful, and all have sinned, the Scripture tells us, then something, if we're going to live free from sin and overcome the junk from this world, the nature has to be changed. Okay, And we know that. That's what we said. That's what happens in Christ. But often what happens is we're born again, we're changed spiritually, and that's forever. But our minds don't get caught up with that. Our mentality, we're still taught again and again to obey the law. We're taught it again and again to follow, just to do all these things uh, to please God. And, 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 and we don't realize that that part is dead. We're now free to marry another. All right, I'm free to embrace now the grace of God. I'm free to embrace God's goodness toward me. He's not angry with me. He's not upset. There's no judgment being extended toward my life anymore. I'm married. I'm married to the Lord. Amen. And, and that's the way He deals with me. It's completely in kindness in love, in compassion, in mercy, I've been forgiven. But unless I adopt that mentality and begin to think that way, I'm going to act like I'm still married to the sin nature. Okay? And again, especially if I'm taught that. And that's what's sad to me is that many people are taught that, that you've got this dual thing going on uh, in your life. You're still a sinner, but you're saved. That's bigamy. You can't do that. God would never do that to us. Let's stop the mentality, stop the thinking that drives us that way. Go, go to Ephesians chapter 2 with me. Ephesians chapter 2. Of course, we started out there, but let's go back and catch some other verses. Ephesians 2 and verse 1. It, it says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Notice that language. You, he made what? Alive, who were dead. So am I dead? No, I was dead, not physically. I was dead in sin, but now he's made me alive. I don't know if you've ever heard, sometimes people will say, and uh, they'll say about Christians, that, well, Christians just think they're better than everybody else. I don't know if you've ever heard someone say that. Well, uh, well, that's because we are. <laughs> so are you saying that we're better than those who are not? Absolutely. I'm saying that 100%. I'm looking at dead, alive. I'm saying alive is better. I mean, is that such a stretch? <laughs> people have a hard time with that you're just better than everybody else yes if I say I'm the same or I'm no better then I'm saying what God did in me didn't really do anything I'm not different now I'm not better because it originated with me I'm not better because I'm just smarter or just because I you know whatever I just do everything perfect have this perfect life no I'm better because I accepted him and he changed me. He, I was worse. Now I'm better. If you're not better with me, then I'm better than you. <laughs> hmm. That's true of you. And if you've been, if you've received the Lord, then you're, you and I were the same. I'm not better than any other Christian. I'm the same. You're not, no Christian is better than me. We're the same. 
because I'm in Christ. We're exactly equal. None better than the other. I'm completely forgiven. You're forgiven. I'm married to Jesus. You're married to Jesus. Now, the extent that I experience that has to do with what I, what I consider. It has to do with my mind being renewed to that fact that I'm no longer that sin nature, dude. I am born-again man. I am supercharged, energized, amen, authorized and deputized. I've been empowered by God. I've been given a new, new nature, and I'm married to someone who loves me every single day. Praise God. And so that's the, that's the new nature of who we are. Let's keep, keep reading here. He says, In which you, were, you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. Now, the sons of disobedience used to be us, all right? Used to be anyone or any person pre-Christ, but basically sons of disobedience is all people in the world until they're made alive. They are sons of disobedience, okay? In other words, just different ways to say this. Uh, verse 3, among whom we also, among whom also we, we once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature... The children of wrath, just as others. Notice that language. We were by nature. That was normal for us. It was natural. Our nature was to sin. But notice the language. It's past tense. The nature was to do wrong. Now our nature is to do right. My nature used to be sin. Now my nature is righteousness. Okay? He said, just as the others, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have, have been saved and raised, up, raised us up together and made us to sit in heavenly places uh, in Christ Jesus. And so the scriptures very, very plainly and clearly describing the way we used to be and the way we are today. You used to be dead, but now you're alive. You used to walk in the lust of the flesh. You used to do all these things, and you were by nature the children of wrath. But now your nature has been changed. You no longer have a sin nature. No longer have a nature of wrath. You're no longer a child of disobedience. It's no longer the normal way for you to live. Now the normal way is to live for God. Now the natural way is to do things right. It just comes out of me doesn't mean I don't ever blow it or get in the flesh and do something wrong, but I keep gravitating towards doing right. Whereas before, I would try to do right, I would try to, and I kept gravitating, toward, gravitating towards doing wrong. But that's not the way we are anymore. You, if you've received the Lord Jesus and have been born again, there's something inside of you empowering and driving you to be just like God in your thoughts and in your actions and in how you live doesn't mean it can't be overridden. Christians do stupid things sometimes. But the more we are mindful, right up here, mindful of who we really are in Him, that we are alive and no longer subject to that junk, the more we will overcome and live and enjoy this new relationship. Enjoy this new marriage. Amen. Enjoy the freedom that's been given to us in this place that we have in Christ. Is it wrong to tell people how to behave or to avoid certain behaviors? We need to understand how this grace thing works. We're not under law. We're not, I can't do anything to improve my relationship with God. 
It is what it is, complete and fully unobscured by any sin because I've totally been washed. But what about when someone does something wrong? Can they be told, you shouldn't be doing that? That can be said in grace or it can be said in law. You know, you know while we're here, look at Ephesians 4 with me. This is bonus stuff, so you don't get a screenshot. Some of you were being lazy anyway. Uh, let's see, Ephesians 4. Let's see, look at verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Now, by the way, just, just so you know, this is a verse that some people in Christian circles will use as kind of a their evidence or scriptural proof that you still retain a sin nature as well as dual status as a Christian with a righteous nature. Okay, they'll use verses like this because it says that, that telling us that we need to put off the former conduct, the old man. Okay, they're saying you still have an old man. That's not really what this verse is saying here. Notice what it says, put off the conduct. He said, I want you to put off the ways or the behavior of the old guy. This is the same old guy that we've read in Romans and other places that died. It's not saying that you still got the old guy and you got the new guy and they're in a battle together in your life. No, he's just saying that old guy left some ways of living, some thoughts. It left a pattern of lifestyle in your, uh, in your soul realm. And he said, you've got to put that off. Okay, not implying that the old guy's being resurrected here, or he's, you know, dead people are walking around. Verse uh, 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Can you see what he's talking about? The spirit of your mind. That, that, that re references the attitude that you have. Let me understand, if you don't have a good attitude, it's hard to get anywhere in life. It's, it's kind of like... Uh, it's kind of like flying an airplane, and in an airplane, uh, you have a, uh, an instrument called an attitude indicator, and it's basically, uh, it's basically a little thing that shows you've got the top part is blue, and it, it's, it paints the picture of a horizon, all right? If you're looking out the window, you see the horizon, you see mountains, and you use that when flying visually to... Uh, keep your plane in a proper attitude so it's not all over the place uh, and primarily we're talking about um, pitch attitude whether you're heading up or heading down all right but in this attitude uh, indicator it, it's because it's very important if you're flying an airplane that if you want to go up that you point your nose up point your because if your nose goes down where are you going and that could be bad after a while. In life, the same thing's true. 
I'm going to understand. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, the attitude of your mind. Keep your nose up. <laughs> Amen. Keep the attitude of your mind where you're pointing higher, and it will take your life higher. Whereas if you keep, you keep looking lower, let's look, compare it this way. You keep thinking like the old dude. You retain the, the attitudes, the behaviors, the thoughts of the dead man, the sin nature. You're going down. But if you keep your attitude on the new man, who I am in Christ, I'm married to him now and not that sin nature, not the law any longer, then my life is going to go up. It's all about our focus. It's all about what we're looking at. He said, verse 24, and that you put on the new man. What do you mean? mean? He's not talking about getting a new man, just like he's not talking about getting rid of the old man. The old man already died. The new man is already a reality. He said, you put on the new man which is created according to God in righteousness and true holiness. In other words, the new man that I am, my born-again spirit, I need to put on like I would put on clothes. Get that saved part of you on the outside. Hmm. Start wearing your Christianity on the outside. Start wearing the mindset of being in Christ on the outside of you as opposed to just looking like the old dude by your actions and thoughts and and, and focus, but being saved on the inside. He said, get it out. Get it on the outside. This is the key for us living in the grace and power of God. And so what we speak now, I ask the question, is it wrong to tell someone, you need to stop doing that, or you need to start acting this way? Well, if we're speaking in response to the new creation, then that's altogether right. That's why you see scriptures in the New Testament that tell us what to do, that give us directions on how to live. And someone might think, that sounds like just more law. No, in the New Covenant, it's always preceded by who you are, and this is now who the new you, this is how the new you is supposed to act. This is now natural for you. This is your new nature as opposed to uh, you're a rotten rascal. (laughs) You're a sinner from the word go. Live right. See how that's far different. Okay? We're always told um, who we are first. Okay? In other words, don't lie, cheat, or steal because that's not who you are now. Quit thinking like a sinner. Christians need to be told this. We need to be reminded. Stop thinking like a sinner. Stop thinking like the old dead guy. Start thinking like a new creation in Christ. A brand new person. If commands are given without the revelation of grace, it kills. But all directives in the new covenant should be preceded by the knowledge of our acceptance in Christ. Yeah, knock it off. Start doing this. Because he loves you, and you are accepted, and you are new and right with God, not the other way around. You see, one way to, to, to see this, and we'll, we'll finish up here, but is in the book of Ephesians that we're in, if you were to look at it from a bird's eye view, you would see that chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3 focus on what might be called positional truths. They tell us who we are as a new person, who we are in Christ, 
Think, let me give you some examples. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing. He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. He made us accepted in the Beloved. Uh, we have redemption through His blood. We have obtained an inheritance in Him. We've been made to sit in heavenly places in Christ. We were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. See, these are all positional and in Christ realities. It's the way that we are today, and that's not changed by anything else. Then in the rest of the book, chapter 4, 5, and 6, it doesn't so much focus on those positional truths, but rather how we're to live in light of who we are in Jesus. It says, this is the way you are. Now, he doesn't go on to say, now, if you lie, the first part's changed. No, I'm still that way because I'm that in Jesus. But because I'm that in Jesus, then he says things like, walk worthy of this calling. He says, maintain unity among yourselves. He says, quit lying, quit stealing. Be kind to another, to one another. Be tender-hearted. Walk in love. Don't let fornication or uncleanness or covetousness be among you. He tells us to be to properly relate to each other, and husbands and wives, and parents and children, and employers and employees. He gives the proper relationship because you are this way in Christ. This is the way that looks in practical living. All right. This is the way a born-again man lives. And so if these directives are given with the prefaces that you're made new, you're washed, you're cleansed, you're sealed, you're bought, you're, you're saved, and that's in Jesus, then it's empowering. This is who you are, not someone you're trying to be. Don't try to be a truth teller. Don't try to be someone who, who is kind and affectionate. and, and sir, Don't try to be that. You are that. I'm just trying to struggle. I've been a liar for so long. If you get saved, you're not a liar anymore. You, you are a truthful person. You're an honest person. You're a loving person. It is your nature. And you'll always gravitate towards that. You know, that's, how, that's why sometimes Christians who get away from the Lord, when I say away... Practically speaking, they're no longer fellowshipping with God and praying and in the fellowship of the saints. So often, you'll find these people are the most miserable people. Because, they, yeah, they're kind of gone back and they're living a worldly lifestyle, but their nature is different. They used to sin and enjoy it, but now they sin and it bugs them. <laughs> now, they, now they're out there and something's always pulling on them. Pulling on them to come back, pulling on them to get back in 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 in, in, in daily fellowship with the Lord, and understanding this, this is who I am. All I'm doing now is getting my my noodle in line with the reality of this new relationship. You know what this means? That we're all going to succeed because I'm not having to change who I am. I am just like the Lord. I'm just like Him. We are the same. We have the same nature. That's who I am. And being reminded of that whew, helps me just to walk that out. It's almost like I was created to do this. I'm not the mule in the race. I am the thoroughbred. Right? 
I am the I am the one born and bred and created for this activity. It's natural for me. All I'm doing is shedding off the stuff that, you know, in my mind that makes me think like I'm still a mule. See, it would be wrong to tell people, if you quit lying and stealing and being a jerk, God will love you. Right? But it's not wrong to tell people, because you've been accepted, because of God's mercy and unconditional love, it would be appropriate now uh, to express that relationship with Him by not lying, by not stealing, by not being a mean person, because that's not really who you are any longer. That relationship, the old one, that's gone. You're not married to that. But now all things are new. Amen. This is the grace of God. This is how we live in it and walk in it. Amen. Amen. Pray with me tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this time we've had together. We thank you for the precious Word of God. Lord, it enlightens us. It causes us to be made new in our thinking. And we purpose today to take these words to put on the new man, created in righteousness and true holiness. We thank you for the work of the cross, for the grace of God and what it means to us and how we've been delivered, how we've been set free. And Lord, we appropriate this new position. Each and every day, we walk in the the blessing and favor that you offer us today. Oh, we're so thankful, Lord. Thankful that we're made new, not condemned, not cast aside, not rejected, not pushed away, but embraced, washed, empowered, and enabled to live this life, to live it right, (laughs) to live like you. Oh, so thankful we are. For the blessing of God now on every person, I thank you that the grace of God is here. Your divine favor upon every life, empowering and enabling them to walk, to rise up, to stand, to be all that you've called them to be. Thank you for your your mercy and your grace in this place here tonight. Thank you, Lord. Father, for those who've come to church, for all those who've come that that have never accepted the Lord Jesus yet, they were to die today, they wouldn't make heaven.